Keanu Club, like a cool breeze over the mountains. This is episode 58, The Day the Earth Stood Still, from 2008. I'm Mike Manzi. And I'm Joey Lewandowski. And with us today, we have a first-time guest, a rarity. We have so many repeat guests, so it's a welcome treat to have a new guest. We have Jeremy Kelly. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. How's it going? Good. So this is the first time you've been on a Keanu. I don't think you were on any cage. I know you signed up for a couple different Keanu movies. Had you seen this movie before? Yeah, I actually saw it in theaters, actually. Okay. Yeah, and I remember you guys were doing Cage Club. I tried to be a guest on one, but it just didn't quite work out. Yeah, what happens usually, and I know that you sign up for a couple other ones for this. You sign up for the replacements and some of the more popular Keanu movies. Yeah, the ones I was just the most familiar with. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I think you were maybe the only one who signed up for this one. So before we get into this movie, what did you, do you have like a history with Keanu? Do you like him as an actor? Do you not like him as an actor overall? He always leaves an impression. I always see him and he's always instantly um, recognizable, instantly um, endearing in his own certain way. But usually if something like The Replacements is on, I'll, I'll sit down and watch it. Yeah, he's definitely an interesting actor, which is why we picked him for this. So now, did you like this movie when you saw it in theaters? I thought it was mediocre. Like, <laughs> like the, the, there were some highlights that stood out to me, but I just thought it was all right. You know, it wasn't anything special. So why did you pick it? Just because you'd seen it before and you felt comfortable talking about it? Or was there some bigger, more in-depth reason? I felt mostly comfortable talking about it and uh, probably at least talking about it in comparison to the 1951 original. Yeah, now I know that Mike had seen that too. I haven't seen that one. It does come on the Blu-ray. Mike, what did you think of the, before we get into the new one, what did you think of the original, Mike? I somewhat grew up with the original. When I was younger, I was a young fan of the Twilight Zone, and, and that movie kind of plays like a like an extra long episode of the Twilight Zone. And I really liked it. I think most major science fiction fans are pretty familiar with it. it it's sort of like one of the earlier films that is... It's like a message film, but it also has like this real sense of dread and panic to it. And I um, was a little disappointed to hear at the time when this came out that they were remaking it. I just feel like the original stands the test of time, and this just felt like unnecessary. And Jeremy, what do you think of the original? I think it's a, a very uh, solid film of that time period, and yet it, it definitely holds up with its like what he was referring to stuff like the uh, commentary and of course the uh, score by uh, Bernard Herrmann is uh, one of the most classic film scores you know the one that plays over the opening credits It's really great classic sci-fi music. It has a lot going for it. It's somewhat of a message film. It's like a educational movie. It's like a travelogue of Washington, D.C. So it's like the children are learning as they're being amazed by this man from another world. But we have this movie, which is a goddamn mess. It's honestly amazing how cluttered this is in 
things that just I just don't care about. So before we really get into the movie, I realized while watching this a profound sadness about Keanu Reeves and Keanu Club. Keanu is the perfect actor for this role, oh, yeah, and it's just yeah. a terrible, terrible role. He's the perfect <laughs> actor to cast as like this vapid alien who doesn't really understand humanity and doesn't really fit in. And like we've talked about it in other podcasts before, he's that kind of actor. He nails that part. And to think that a movie where like that's a character is just like perfect for him just makes me kind of sad in a way. Yeah, I know that's what a lot of critics, a lot of people in general said when this came out. Oh, you couldn't have a more perfect actor to play this emotionless role. It's too bad that the rest of the movie kind of lacks any emotion, if you were to ask me. Like, it's just such a cold, dark, and distant movie. I don't know if we're supposed to be seeing it from the alien's point of view. Is like he's arrived on this sterile world or something. Parts of this kind of work, the beginning of it felt kind of like Arrival, because Jennifer Connelly plays a scientist who's kind of woken up at night and ushered off with the military to some top-secret landing site and everything. But throughout, I just felt like it was trying to shoehorn parts of the original movie into it, like the giant robot and other small things like the little boy and the scientist at the end. Things felt shoehorned in, whereas it wanted to just sort of take the premise of a man visits from another world and go off in a completely new direction. I feel like it's at odds with itself in that way, where it's like, oh, let's try and just like tell a modern version of this. And then, uh oh, there's these notes to make sure we also hit all of these benchmarks from the original movie too so that's i feel why it's very disjointed this movie definitely does not hold up as a science fiction movie in a post-arrival world because not only is jennifer connelly amy adams but like keanu is there instead of the heptapods he's here to talk to the world leaders he's here to kind of establish not peace but a positive message the military is against it for no reason um, other than they're just scared and to see it so well done last year in arrival and then to watch this it's like oh boy yeah i think the one place that it kind of fumbles where it really could have excelled is the idea that this is all a big misunderstanding and we think that he's here to save humanity but he's only here to save the earth itself by wiping out humanity it's like you know it's a warning film in a lot of ways like the original was what's kind of cool about the original is there wasn't really a whole lot of action it's just it ended with this big speech by the alien who was like you are getting too big for yourselves and I am here to warn you not to push it too far because we're watching you and you're at the precipice right now where you could destroy yourself and so this movie, it's not there until it wants to be there at the end. And it's it could have been really cool if this was more about, oh, the alien actually is menacing alien this time around. And they really played that up, but they didn't. Yeah, yeah the original, it was more about the uh, discussion. Uh, and, uh, and this one, it's just more about the threat, I think. And uh, its conclusion has come to way too quickly that... Uh, Oh, oh, we're just going to wipe out humanity, uh, and, and, and then that's it. But, uh, like, in the original, it was more like, you know, let's talk about w- what has been done and what we still can do. Yeah, it's, oh, man, it's it's just, it's weird. Like, the movie ends weird. Like, jumping all the way to the end when they just leave, it's like, oh, like I'm like, I wrote down, like, that's it? It's just like that, yeah. And then the climactic end moment there where everything on the Earth, like, the compromise, I guess, is he will let humanity survive, but he takes away all of the power, so that like, nothing with electricity runs, like, all the cars stop and all the buildings stop. That moment actually occurs in the original about halfway through as the aliens display of power, so 
that when he actually makes his speech, he could be like, look, like we have the capacity to shut you down. You're part of like a much bigger thing now. You know, there's a whole galaxy of us that need to work together. So again, it, it feels like it ends on like a false note in a way because it's like, oh, we forgot to have the pivotal moment from the original here. So like, let's just quickly put it at the end. And so what's really weird is that because that moment is at the end and like these, you know, self-replicating little bugs or whatever are going through and sorry, Jeremy, they get rid of Giant Stadium. They just demolish that. I was going to talk about that that at some (laughs) point. It's like, you maniacs, you blew it up. Damn you. They are on such a path of destruction that like I understand that it's still just in one part of the country and that's just one small part of the world, but there's spheres all over the world and like it feels like they're on such a path of destruction that's already too late and then Keanu just touches that sphere and it ends what's disappointing one of the bits of trivia on IMDb is that the short story that both of the movies were based on the final line said you misunderstand the mighty robot had said I am the master which is terrifying and like oh it doesn't matter what you do we're gonna destroy you and that is a cooler ending. I guess it's not really a Hollywood ending, but that's kind of like, you know, spoilers for a Cage movie. That's kind of like knowing. You know what I mean? Oh, we're just going to kill everybody because we can. Like, we're going to save the Earth, but we're going to destroy humanity. And that's the ending that I think would be cooler as opposed to just, oh, they're gone. What, like, what even gets destroyed? Everything that moves? Like, cars stop, machines stop, electricity stops. Even the watches stop. Yeah, he puts out, like, a giant, one of those electromagnetic pulses from from the Matrix or, like, from uh, Pacific Rim or something. The robot that comes with Keanu, you know, is, like, his bodyguard. It, It starts to turn into this swarm of gray goo that goes around just, like, eating everything. And then, somehow, miraculously, Keanu is able to walk up to his spaceship, touch it, and then all of those bugs just, like, fall to the ground. But by doing that, I guess he had to destroy every kind of thing that ran on electricity or energy. My problem is there is nothing set up that Keanu could control him on that level. Like, he said something earlier to be like, when he gets shot by the humans, he's like, don't attack the humans. Like, it was a misunderstanding. But there's really, like you said, Joy, like, in the story, if the robot speaks last and is in control, like, there's no, there wasn't anything in this version set up that Keanu could control it he was in control in fact he just felt like a messenger who was like sent there like an agent or something who was just like oh here's your here's your job for today go down to this planet and get one of every animal and bring them back to space and then like go on to the next world it's not made entirely clear like what he can do and what he can't do or whether by his own choice or not although he does use his special powers to get a tuna salad sandwich out of a vending machine (laughs) so he can do that he can that's oh god i forgot about that oh he does that <laughs> and then he brings a cop back to life after hitting him with a car right so he has some kind of like electrical power control like he has like a lie detector test and he's sort of able to make that go haywire and then see through all the security cameras but like it's so strange that like none of that stuff really seems to matter at all like he could have just snuck out of that place otherwise and and then at the end i feel it's like oh remember when he could control electricity He's just going to touch his spaceship and, and 
wipe out all the power on Earth. It's just uneven. <laughs> oh, and also, uh, did you guys feel like that opening scene where he's doing the mountain climbing, was there any need for that scene at all? Okay, so <laughs> I have a huge question. When the movie kind of takes a break and goes to McDonald's uh, halfway and, and Keanu meets that old Chinese guy, is that supposed to be Keanu from the opening sequence? Like, we don't ever see the bump is on it? his hand or anything. I don't know, I but don't I, I feel like... I think so. I think he was just, just kind of there. I feel like the movie wanted me to think that because the dude said he'd been living among them for like 70 years or something and has grown to love them made me feel like, was he the mountain climber? But I guess not. I don't think so. <laughs> All right, maybe they're just collecting human DNA in case they ever had to come back. You know, I thought, maybe just because I was just watching Legion, but like, I felt like Keanu in the beginning when he's that ice climber and he goes like into the bubble or whatever happens, I thought it was going to be sort of like a Jemaine Clement situation from Legion, where he's going to be like this ice chamber for 80 years and then come back. But like, I don't even know how to describe what happens. Uh, I guess when the Keanu from the past, when he touches the sphere, like it sort of inhabited his body or something, I, I can't even really describe it. Yeah, it almost felt like he discovered it accidentally and that maybe it was left behind when it came into contact with him. Yeah, it just kind of like scanned him or something. That's what it seemed to me. But it didn't like absorb him. He didn't take off in it. Or if he did, we didn't see any of that. Like that would have been cool if he actually stepped inside the sphere and the sphere took off into space. Because then when it lands, you know, somewhere around... 15 minute mark or something and the creature steps out like he can just step out as Keanu he doesn't need to go through this metamorphosis with the whole like space suit peeling off of his skin situation. Oh, boy. Oh, uh, so, so boy. Something else I want to point out, this was just something I, I happened to notice. You, you know the scene where uh, they're taking Jennifer Connelly, but, you know, they've got her in the car early on, and they're trying to make sure that they have her identification, and they say her social security number and all that. There was only eight digits. <laughs> that's that's a good catch. I mean, you're smarter than this movie is what that proves. Well, that, well that, that's only something I really noticed because uh, my job right now is entering social security numbers all day. Oh. You know what's kind of interesting I was, I was thinking about is that we're at a really weird time in Keanu Club in terms of remakes, that we just had that breaking news that they're rebooting or remaking or whatever they're deciding to do with The Matrix. Point Break was remade two years ago. We just did The Lake House, which is a remake, and we have this. So it's weird how there's all this remake stuff around this time as we're recording this and in his career. It's just, it's coincidental. I was trying to think, has he ever been in a remake? I was like, oh yeah, like three movies ago. And this came out not long after the remake of War of the Worlds. And I mean, it didn't start him, but it was no, it was another one of those remakes of 50s uh, sci-fi movie. That makes this make a lot more sense to me, is that there was some sort of arms race for reviving these old sci-fi titles. Like, you never know, because who knows if, you know, if you have Keanu in this, there's a chance that it could be a franchise. You know, it's got Jennifer Connelly. And if you have, like, World of Worlds had, had Tom Cruise in it, so you never know, those aliens could come back. He'd be ready to fight them and, you know, hang on to the side of their UFOs as it like flies around the world. <laughs> they never got there. I understand more now why this was remade. It wasn't sort of just what do we have in our catalog. It's other studios are going back and doing this too. Let's do this as well. Invasion came out with uh, Nicole Kidman around this time yeah, and, and um, too, yeah. James Bond was in that. Yeah, and so that was like a really, that's maybe the worst remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers out of all of them. Most of them are good. That's the only one I haven't seen. I've seen the, the original and the one that came out in 78 and the one in, that came out in the in the 90s. 
So I guess they understand its existence a bit more now. But I don't have to like it anymore, but I understand it a bit better. <laughs> and if they wanted to make a sequel or a franchise out of this, they absolutely could because this movie cost $80 million. In the U.S. it only made 79 but total worldwide made over 230 So this movie Whoa. made a lot of money. It's just... I guess it's tough because Keanu is going to take money. You now have John Hamm. Like, this was either at the start of Mad Men yeah. or right before Mad Men. It was, it was right around the, the time that that show started, I think. We have Kyle yeah. Chandler, you know, in the midst of Friday Night Lights, who's now gone on to do three seasons of Bloodline. We have Kathy Bates, who's now in American Horror Story. Like, everybody's working, you know, in major series. Jennifer Connelly's doing whatever she's doing. I don't know. What about Jaden Smith, though? Jaden oh. Smith, yes. <laughs> he breaks this movie. <laughs> the only movie he's been in that wasn't produced or, or starred his dad in some way. I feel like this movie could have just used Will Smith's presence in a flashback as his dead fighter pilot father. <laughs> it would have made sense if it actually if he actually showed up in this film to me. There was a really weirdly and poorly written bit of trivia on IMDb about Will Smith. I think it was referring to Will Smith turning down like a role in The Matrix or something. Yeah. It might have been that he turned down a role in this. No, but that's not true because I also read another thing that said Keanu was was the only choice this one producer had in mind for this movie. So I think it was it was like a bit of trivia, like, hey, isn't it weird how Keanu acted with Will Smith's son and Will Smith turned down one of his other roles? It's like, no, that's not weird at all. Like, that's actually probably pretty normal. Yes, some of these facts that you read, it's like, okay, who really cares? What is surprising to me is that this was directed by Scott Derrickson, who went on to direct Sinister and now most recently Doctor Strange, which is amazing. The cinematographer did the Star Wars prequels and also three Cage movies, including Con Air. There's like heavy hitters in terms of like people who know what they're doing in terms of making movies or making movies look good. But then you have a guy who has only written two movies that have been released and it's like, oh, right, because this screenplay is a disaster. Something that Roger Ebert would always say is that only really talented people could make a movie so bad. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, yeah this proves it. Because, yeah, like 99.9% of this cast, and doesn't... Which... Um, does, is it John Cleese that shows yes. up? Yeah, John Cleese, who actually um, gives no time and energy to, to talk about extraterrestrial life at all, from what I've read. His inclusion is really weird, and apparently he was a weird, difficult person to cast or something, because he was so known for his comedy. That they basically, like, he's in, like, a humorless role. Like, he's in this role where just, like, it's this old guy, like, hey, don't we have a lot in common? And it's like, all right. Yeah, I mean, I guess he never took off as the new Q. He was supposed to sort of, they were going to, like, pass the reins to him for that. But I feel like just cut the that scene out of this movie. I mean, it's completely superfluous. Basically, they show up. Connolly's like, I have this scientist friend you can talk to, and he'll tell all his scientist friends, and they'll tell their friends. And Keanu's like, I need to talk to, like, the world leaders, like, all at once, you know? Like, the UN, something like that. But they go to this old scientist's house, and Keanu fixes his equation, and John Cleese is like, oh, you fixed my equation. And then Keanu's like, you're all gonna die. But there must be alternatives. You must have some technology that could solve our problem. Your problem is not technology. The problem is you. You lack the will to change. Then help us change. I cannot change your nature. You treat the world as you treat each other. But every civilization reaches a crisis point eventually. Most of them don't make it. Yours did? How? Our son was dying. We had to evolve in order to survive. So it was only when your world was threatened with destruction that you became what you are now? Yes. Well, that's where we are. 
You say we're on the brink of destruction, and you're right. But it's only on the brink that people find the will to change. Only at the precipice do we evolve. This is our moment. Don't take it from us. We're close to an answer. <laughs> and, and, and they're just like, okay, uh, on to the next place. You know, it just seems like unnecessary. In the, in the original, like, uh, it actually was at least going somewhere. They had a whole, like, climax meeting that uh, he was engaging with, like, people that, that he knew. And, and in this one, it's like, oh, I like your music. I like the Bach music you, you have playing on the radio right now. It's Bach. It's beautiful. So we're not so different after all. I wish that were true. Well, that's what's so weird, too, is like he completely shifts at the end of the film into accepting humanity. And I don't want to keep harping on like they did this in the original. They did that. But in the original, like throughout the course of the movie, like the alien actually does kind of acclimate to human society and feel like it's worth saving. But he still has a cold alien heart and a job to do. So he gives his warning and he takes off at the end. And I feel here it's just like he flips like so easily. He spends like an afternoon in the graveyard with Jaden and then he suddenly understands humanity. Now he decides, oh, maybe you are worth saving. Hey, I think I would understand humanity too if I hung out with Jaden Smith for an afternoon. <laughs> you can do this. Just like with the trooper. There are some things I can't do. But you have powers. I'm sorry. Please. Please. Jacob, nothing ever truly dies. The universe wastes nothing. Everything is simply transformed. Just leave me alone. This movie is just a constant string of things that don't make sense for no reason. Like, they get all the scientists in the world and, like, there's something on path to hit Earth. And, like, when's it going to happen? 78 minutes. It's like, what? Like, how, what? <laughs> like, you don't give them any time. It's just like, oh, it's going to happen. Like, you're all here just to be here. Like, there's nothing you can do in that 78 minutes. And then when the thing's about to crash, they're like, oh, we miscalculated because, like, the thing is slowing down. Like, it's not an asteroid. It's, you know, a spaceship. And it's a series of things that they get wrong or that are, like, not what you think. And it's not, like, meant to be a twist to surprise you. It's like, uh, why is this the way that the movie is laid out? Yeah, they're following uh, Independence Day logic. It's like, oh, by the way, this is right, happening. but this movie is not, like, goofy or fun or over-the-top like that. It wants to be super serious. Yeah, yeah. And then it also wants to be, like, super environmentally friendly. And, like, what message do we want to hit from what angle? Yeah, I feel like it needed to have something more, like, in the original where we were developing something beyond the nuclear bomb. Like, we were going beyond the A-bomb into some other where we were going to harness the power of the sun and, and, like, actually start exploring worlds. And so we needed to sort of be put in check and say, like, you're, you know, you're not alone. And in this one, there's nothing like that. It's just, like, aliens have come to save the planet from humans because we have too much carbon monoxide and greenhouse gas like the you know like the, the climate change is happening and it's all the humans fault and earth is too precious and so it really is like a recyclable movie right it's about recycling and like being good to nature and where i really feel like it needed the whole like we have reached the ability to travel to new worlds and we're getting ready to go and on the night of the launch this ship shows up and says hold on not so fast <laughs> like uh, before you go anywhere there's some things you should know 
no, no, and you could have been more serious, and that would have played instead of sort of just sitting there being pretty boring from from where I'm sitting. Like, it's just because you've seen all this stuff before. Like, you've seen the Independence Day thing done. Like, you've seen this whole thing, like, the ship is coming. We've seen it done with asteroid movies, with alien movies. Like, we've seen it a thousand times, and they're not really putting anything new there's no new spin on it here, and so nothing really is uh, is hitting for me. Well, everything just needs to be bigger, and everything needs to happen sooner, sort of, or slower. Like, the pace that they're choosing is weird. What confused me first was, why don't we know how the world is responding to this? Like, we have no sense of scale, we have no sense of response, and then, like, ten minutes after I had that thought, they're like, oh, the stock markets are plummeting and people are leaving. But, like, you don't know... You assume that people are panicking, but they're not showing it for some reason. Like, it's a very intimate, small story, but it doesn't work. Like, Arrival works like that because it's really a story about Amy Adams. This is not a story about Jennifer Connelly. This is a story about, like, the Earth is dying. You know what I mean? And so keeping it so small and, like, to that room of scientists doesn't work. And also, like, in the beginning, you know, going back a little bit to what I was saying before, if you're going to bring everybody in, give them, like, 24 hours to try to, like, pad it a little bit. One hour or 78 minutes is not a good amount of time. Give them time to work toward figuring something out, then let it crash. Because otherwise, it's just, like, she basically has enough time to go to the bathroom, call Jade Smith on her forbidden cell phone and then like brace for impact. Yeah, it's like, I think you were alluding to this before, but what exactly was the plan for those characters? It's like, we gathered you here, and now they just kind of sit in the truck and wait for impact, basically. Yeah, we're going to have you die away from your families instead of die with your families. Yeah, and you're all going first. You're all the most important people, so we need you at ground zero so that when this thing hits, you guys are obliterated. Yeah, it is It is kind of asinine now Like when I'm thinking about it because I think it's because like if this was Arrival, it would have worked, right? But you're, it's not, and that's why it needed to be a more serious Independence Day in the sense that all these orbs are landing around the world. Like, let's have, like, legit moments with characters in different parts of the world, you know? And, like, let's have scientists all need to have, like, this emergency summit somewhere, and everybody's trying to get there, but there's all this mass panic and martial law and humans getting in the way of humans trying to do their thing. And in the midst of all that, you have the scientists and the government trying to figure out the big robot mystery and all that too and then it would have really expanded on the concept of the original and made it feel something more of its own like this movie feels like there's this identity crisis going on and I feel like that would have centered it and given it something to hang itself on and feel more original than the way that it came out you, you feel like uh, they could have found a way to modernize it update it to the world we live in today but it, but it, it's not being very smart about how it wants to do that yeah, I mean, it's still taking these giant Roland Emmerich-sized leaps of logic and dialogue exposition dumps that you get in those fun, funny, more lighthearted disaster films. But here, they're played strict and serious through really good actors who they're sort of off-tone and off-beat here. Uh, just a, a little thing to point out about the scenes where they show the stock market crashing and everything. It, it looks phenomenally like stock footage from probably the, the actual stock market collapse that, that happened that year. Yeah, I got a little Wolf of Wall Street vibe from that. Or Wall Street 2. Shout out to Shia. And that stuff always works for me in movies when you see on the news and everything, but it works better if you use that as sort of like a 
connector from leaping continents. So like you have someone on in America watching the news in another country in Egypt per se, and then you cut to someone in Egypt watching it and then you follow them around. Or something. I don't know. I just now that uh, we're discussing it, it just there feels like how could you salvage this while I was watching it? And now that we're talking about it, I'm thinking of like these things I'd rather see. Well, it's amazing that there's things you'd rather see because I feel like this movie is everything that you could possibly see all in one thing together, just like a, something a blender. Like there's the part about two-thirds of the way through or three-quarters of the way through where helicopters are coming to get Keanu. This is after he kills and revives that guy. And after Jaden Smith calls the cops, like, I know where the guy is. Terrible. But the helicopter's coming for him and he, like, sort of crashes them together. Like, sort of like he's King Kong. He's just, like, you know, using his powers to just smash them together. And then the cool guy walking away from the explosion. Like, why is that in this movie? I think because that became, like, a big trope. And if, if you wanted to sell yourself as an action film, you needed that shot for the trailer or something. So you just had to have cool-looking guy walking away from an explosion. There's also, like, a really weird amount of time paid to the military. Like, it's too much to be insignificant, but it's not enough to actually be in the movie. We never see anybody, from what I remember, having a discussion, like, maybe we shouldn't shoot this thing? Like, there's that's never an option that's on the table. The biggest reveal when they're in one of those rooms is Kathy Bates is like, oh, these spheres are arcs. They're saving things. I'm like, wait, this is like a biblical thing now? We have, from Prison Break, we have Teabag, who is like the creepiest guy from that show, is a military guy in this? And he's just like barking orders to shoot. I'm like, what is, what is happening? Like, it feels like, another Shia reference, it feels like Transformers kind of, where just like military stuff because we want to have military in there. Yeah, and I would like to point out, I'm more talking about the, uh, the original on this, but I did love how in the original they shoot Klaatu like just when he's reaching in something in his pocket, but then when Gort starts shooting the soldiers' guns with lasers, they don't shoot him then. It's like, oh, we can't do anything now. It just played a lot better originally, I feel, the first contact where it was much more of like a accidental misunderstanding. And in this one, he's like about to shake hands with Jennifer Connelly and there's absolutely nothing that I could tell that seemed like he was reaching for something. I, I don't know. I might be wrong, but if it just seemed like they just decided, like, someone maybe got trigger-happy and accidentally shot him, but it wasn't clear to me. It just all felt confusing. I was confused yeah, by it you, you heard someone saying, don't shoot, don't shoot, and you heard someone else saying, shoot, shoot, shoot. It felt intentional. But there was no reason for it. Like, it's, it's confusing. You could kind of just say everybody is scared shitless of this thing, and the instinct when you're scared is to sort of overreact or just become violent in nature. And maybe the movie wanted to go there in some way, but didn't know how to and use that moment as a shortcut. Yeah, that's the main problem with this movie is that it wants to to say and do more than it really knows how to. Before we get into the trivia, is there anything else, like any major, anything this movie did well? Um, the effects? Yeah, I thought the ships were pretty cool. That was a pretty nice concept. You know, the original one is very much your classic token flying saucer dish. Which is, which is what they had in every movie at that time. Exactly, yeah. It's like Earth versus the flying saucer. It's the same dish. It's the same saucer, basically, from Mars Attacks, is what he came down in in that movie, which was, right, just, you know, of the, of the era. It's just very iconic. But I think the orb things were cool. Like, I was... I'm, I'm kind of upset we never got to go inside one of them, but I was intrigued by this whole, what is it doing? Why is it an orb? It looks kind of like a, a storm inside, you know, like weather or something. Like, it, it was very odd to me and alien, and I did kind of like that design. Well, that's all credit to director Scott Derrickson, because... 
I read in the IMDb trivia that Keanu was originally going to come down in just like a regular spaceship, but the director wanted the extraterrestrial aspect of the film to be more mysterious, so he made the ship in glowing orb instead. And he also changed Gort, who... Gort is the, the, the guy who was originally 8 feet tall, but in this movie he's 28 feet tall. But here he's biological instead of mechanical. And he said that he figured that some alien races would develop advanced biological forces instead of technology. Like technological yeah, forces. And you can tell that this movie's trying to be, like, or at least the aliens in this movie are trying to be anti-technology. Oh, yeah, very much so. That, that's a good call. That, that they're... I guess that's like, yeah, like they're orbs or maybe there's no, you know, mechanical mechanical parts at all. Maybe it's all biology and, you know, they're not technology. That's that's cool. I like that. Unfortunately, I get a, it gets a little mired where the, with the, again, like the biblical stuff too, because not only are there arcs, but Gort turns into like locusts. So he becomes like a swarm from the end days or something. These like little metal locusts are flying around, multiplying all across the planet, eating everything. I kind of wish Gort just turned into like liquid and just spread across everything and cover the entire planet with whatever he is and like alex mack like, i remember that show <laughs> yeah i mean i guess they did what they came to do because the whole thing is that like there's very few planets in the galaxy or the universe or whatever they say that are like earth that they can sustain complex life forms and so they basically just want to preserve the earth and so i guess they came down and did what they wanted to do which is sort of stop us from destroying the earth because everything that we destroy the earth with pretty much is machinery so they they accomplished their goal it's just yeah which makes me feel like if that was their purpose to stop us from destroying the planet i feel like they could have just done that to begin with instead of saying oh everyone has to die yeah there's a much more diplomatic way to go about doing what they want to accomplish without killing anybody you know i feel like they could relocate the humans to a moon somewhere well at that point you'd definitely be going the route of nicholas cage and knowing right at the end of that with the children that, that survive because I mean the whole idea is like if the earth doesn't belong to the humans it, I took it that it belonged to the animals but then they're saving the animals to take them off world at least one or two of every animal they're not taking every single animal as far as I can tell but then isn't the earth for the animals like what's the point of taking them off the earth like you want to just get rid of the people and leave the earth as it is so it was all very mumbled there it felt like multiple drafts I think because they, they, they he probably figured the animals were, like, uh, innocents in all this. Yeah. Just, just like the children and knowing. No, it's just the stupid, destructive humans' fault. Yeah. So the military group guarding the base is Whiskey Task Force, a.k.a. WTF, so super funny. Oh, man. I guess I'd be more creative if the Tina Fey movie hadn't come out, you know, Whiskey Tango Foxtrot, but oh, boy. The bridge that the heroes, our heroes, shelter under during the finale is the same bridge that the heroes in Cloverfield shelter under. In the final scene where we see the Sydney Opera House from across the street from the park from Miss McCary's Point. It's the same park from The Matrix Revolutions. So that's a really cool key action. The line Keanu says twice, which is Klaatu Barada Niktu, which yes. stops Gort. That's also what Ash from Army of Darkness says before he removes the Necronomicon. If anything should happen to me, you must go to Gort. You must say these words. Klaatu Barada Niktu. Please repeat that. Klaatu you must remember those words. When thou retrievest the book from its cradle, you must recite the words Klatu Verata Nictu. Klatu Verata Nictu, okay. 
Well, repeat them. Klaatu, Verata, Nikto. Again! I got it, I got it! Although when Keanu says it in this movie, you can barely fucking hear it because... Uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's very distant. Again, like that's what majorly pisses me off about remakes. It's like either remake the movie or do what you want. Why even reference that line if you're not even going to have it said clearly and distinctly and own it? You know, it just feels like they're not owning up to the fact that this used to be a movie already. If they removed Gort and that line, this almost could have been something entirely different. Yeah, maybe something better. You could still call it the day the Earth stood still. Also, you know, that could be in reference just to the arrival of an alien on the planet. And just, you don't have to follow. You just make it a remake in name. You reboot it, as they like to say nowadays. Reboot, reimagining, re whatever they want to call it. I'm just overall kind of, well, no, I was going to say I'm overall disappointed because Keanu's sort of genre, like his best genre so far has been sci-fi, but I don't even know if that's true, though, because there's The Matrix, which is obviously great, but then we have, like, Johnny Mnemonic, which is not great. Sci-fi is sort of yeah. a mixed bag for Keanu. I was kind of, you know, I had not heard great things about this, but I was looking forward to it because up until we get back to, no, I don't even know, we might never have a movie that approaches this budget again. Maybe 47 mm. Ronin, but like wow. what's coming up is all like indie stuff and even stuff that like feels big like John Wick that's not a big budget movie and like the Neon Demon's not a big budget movie so this might be I'm actually gonna want to look up the budget for 47 Ronin because this might be like our last major Keanu movie in terms of budget at least there's been a couple periods we've talked about in previous episodes where he kind of disappears for a while because we're just like what is he doing and this is definitely a dark period of like five or six years until he comes back for like 47 Ronin and then you know John Wick and sort of returns yeah there was that phase sort of um, after like Point Break and Bill and Ted too, but before The Matrix, it was sort of like, he he might actually fall off here and never claw his way back to the top, but then The Matrix happened, and I feel like he's just got a lot of uh, staying power strictly from that one role, is that has kept his career alive, because he has kind of fluctuated since The Matrix in a lot of ways, and we've had a couple good ones, mostly bad ones though, but yeah, I haven't seen 47 Ronin, I've seen a trailer, it looks crazy, it looks like some kind of ancient times, but also maybe like mystical something. I mean, we had Scanner Darkly, which was a, it was science fiction, but yeah, that wasn't really the point of it, I guess. Yeah, I guess not only won't he have like a bigger budget film, but he's not really going to come back for sci-fi, which is one of the things I more enjoy him doing. So I had no idea how big of a budget 47 Ronin was. It's kind of sci-fi, sort of. It's more like historical sci-fi. That has a budget of 175. I do remember that movie having a really big budget and it being talked about as a, as a real bomb when it came out. None of the other movies between The Day There Stood Still and modern day have budgets listed on IMDb aside for John Wick, which was 20 million. And then I looked up John Wick 2 and the budget for that was 40 million. That's still half of this. And that movie just looks so much... I mean, not that this movie looks bad, but it just looks... CGI, you know what I mean? Like, this, like Arrival feels like they actually had. I wonder what Arrival's budget was. 
It's the budget game. Okay, Arrival's budget was $47 million. And I wow. understand that there's a lot of scenes. Like, there's way more CGI in this than that. Well, you, I mean, you might be surprised. Like, if you there's, like, these behind-the-scenes clips of Arrival and all the landscape replacement, all just, like, Jeeps and... But, I mean, like, those are, like, yeah, those are CGI in, like, every movie now. They're like, oh, we're just going to, like, make the city look bigger or what? You know yeah, what I mean? Like, but back when they were making this in 2008, like, there's one shot that's clearly, like, okay, they had a whole bunch of cars and trucks, but then here comes this big CGI helicopter landing and opening up and out come our stars on a soundstage on a green screen. <laughs> like I feel like the CGI was, it needed a bigger budget because a lot of it didn't feel polished. I don't feel like the robot looked particularly good and it's not like the most complex design either. Could it be more basic? Why not just have the guy in a giant suit or why not just build a freaking statue because all it does is stand there the whole movie. It's clearly just this weird, awkward CGI robot thing sitting there. Jeremy, do you have any last thoughts about the day the Earth stood still? I wouldn't say like it's a god awful or anything. I mean, it's it's watchable, but you know, it's really not worth going back to. It doesn't really hold up too well. It's not going to stand the test of time. Yeah, I think that's fair. Like not in anywhere near the sense that the original has stood the test of time. It's it's just kind of come and gone. I think that's a good call, Mike. Do you have any last thoughts? Yeah, basically, I, I'd say just watch the original. I feel like that'll hold up enough. At least it holds up over this. I feel like it's still the better movie. This just is, I feel like we've been saying, filled with stuff that's been done better in other movies that you like. And really, where I would have liked them to have gone, like I said, is just with the bigger scope, just grander, just like a uh, like a serious version of Independence Day. Watch Independence Day, but don't watch the sequel to Independence Day. Go to bed early. Do yourself a favor. That's basically it. Although there is a Keanu line in this that I like that wasn't in the original. When It's when he's first being interrogated and Kathy Bates is saying, you can speak to me, and he goes, do you speak for all of humanity? Do you represent a civilization? I represent a group of civilizations. Where is this group of civilizations? All around you. What is your purpose in coming here? There is a gathering of world leaders not far from here. I will explain my purpose to them. I'm afraid that's not possible. Perhaps you should explain yourself to me instead. Do you speak for the entire human race? I speak for the President of the United States. Now please, tell me, why have you come to our planet? Your planet? Yes, this is our planet. No, it is not. I just thought that was great. It's like him saying, are you important enough to speak to Keanu? <laughs> he had a couple good deliveries too. Like they, It felt like his character was starting to go somewhere and then it hits a wall like he like he turns to the one guy and he's like you should let me go and the guy's like i will let you go or whatever like uh, he lets him go it, it just seemed like he had like this weird wry sense of humor as an alien that just completely vanished later on when he's running around with Connolly and, and smith there he's like being carpooled around back and forth between dc and new york 
Yeah, oh boy. So yeah, so that's the day the Earth stood still. The next couple that we got coming up are smaller movies, I think. I don't know. We'll find out. I don't. Really, I don't know anything about them. So well, thank you so much, Jeremy, for joining us. Sure thing. I'd be glad to come back sometime. Sure, we'd love to have you back. Got to figure out if we can make that happen. But for all things Keanu Club, you can go to cageclub.me or facebook.com/cageclub or on Twitter at cageclubpod. You can see all the episodes we've done so far for Keanu Club. See all the episodes for other shows. All sorts of fun, free things for you to do and listen to at those three places. I'm Joey Lewandowski. And I'm Mike Manzi. And that was Jeremy Kelly, and we'll see you next time on Keanu Club. Clatu!